it's it's mm. it's like it's that feeling like of you know like if your family home's been knocked down yeah, yeah. And, and you're sort of you've got that deep yearning to go home but you you can't do it physically anymore because it doesn't exist they, they have a word for that where you're yearning for something that can never be again and it's oh really... here we go here we go homesickness for the life you wish you had hmm? sensucked yes that's the one sensucked so <laughs> the German language. It'll, it'll just be like false. It'll just be like two two obsolete German words for false and nostalgia stuck together. Yeah, well. it's, like, it's just a compound language. It's not like yeah. Every animal is some kind of such. pig. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's everything. Something Schwein. Tall pig, short pig, <laughs> yeah. fat pig, tasty pig, <laughs> giraffe. As tall pig, <laughs> long pig. Oh, whoa! <laughs> now, now we're crossing concepts. <laughs> hey up! I'm Joe Heathcote, and this is Consistently Eccentric, a podcast where I will attempt to teach a friend of mine a lesson from British history, focusing specifically on the lesser known and less believable people and events that the history books tend to leave out. So let's get started with. So, are you actually ready for a story? Do you think, or have um, we gone beyond? I'm ready. Okay, so this story starts in the Victorian era, and your three words are engineering, Uh, Manchester, (laughs) and ecstasy. Mm. Sounds good. So, Henry Royce was a man who pulled himself up by his bootstraps. The youngest of five, Mm -hmm. he was forced to start working as a newspaper seller at the age of nine following the death of his father. Grim. Though it's fine. Because he'd managed to complete one full year of schooling before that happened. So he's he's mm. set. <laughs> of course. <laughs> what, what more do you need to know? Well, by Victorian standards. <laughs> so, taking advantage of the generosity of an aunt, Henry was able to start an apprenticeship with a Excuse great... Excuse me, I think, you're, I think you mean aunt. <laughs> <laughs> so, if they're rich, you definitely have to put that pronunciation on it, yes. Taking advantage of the generosity of a rich aunt... Uh, Henry, who probably, let's say, she was in black most of the time in, like, a very formal uh, dress. Yeah, so, so very he's austere. Yeah, he's, he's living the full Austin cliche here. Yeah, he had to go to her house, and for some reason all the floorboards were grey. <laughs> and she came down the stairs slowly, looked him up and down, and said, yes, this one will do, and then <laughs> sent him off to be... Sco- yeah, sent him off to be... He didn't want to go to the Great Northern Railway. <laughs> she sent him. But either way, he ended up yeah. with an apprenticeship in the workshop. Right. So he showed natural understanding of the manufacturing processes and quickly developed quite a, quite a substantive range of skills. He was, he was quick at picking things up. Cool. Sounds, like, a, sounds like a dude, really. Mm. At around the same time, a young toff by the name of Charles Rolls was learning to walk. Oh, my God. And talk. Living in the lap of luxury that could be afforded to the son of a baron. <laughs> was he a, a, a second or third son of a baron? I don't know, actually. I'm going to assume so because you, you, I feel like you'd know if Rolls Royce. He definitely, was... he definitely had um, a sister. I know that because his sister was amazing, but <laughs> I don't know about brothers. Baron so, Rolls. Baron Rolls. <laughs> That's awesome. So He's Henry, I had a blues band. We're going to have to leave him because he's not that interesting at the moment. He's a toddler, <laughs> so he's he's doing toddlery things. Cool. Uh, While was... Henry's in a forge, <laughs> yeah. being burned and learning how maths works. <laughs> yeah. Well, Henry spent his twenties setting up a company in Manchester, making domestic electric fittings. 
He started with just 20. Oh, that, it's, it's interesting, actually, isn't it? Because um, at that time, all the electric fittings would have been completely non-standardised. Oh, yeah. So, like, so like, you, like, if you if you got your electricity fitted into your house by Company A, you then had to make sure that everything you bought was, like, was, was compatible with yeah. Company A's fixtures and fittings. <laughs> some, some of the appliances came with a range of up to 30 plugs. <laughs> because depending on which... You know, company Town you went with. You, were part of, yeah. Yeah, yeah. you might need you might need plug twenty six B, but make sure you get the flanged version, otherwise you're going to be screwed. <laughs> so he started the business with just twenty quid. Uh, you see, just like, I know, but still, yeah, okay. it's not a lot. And he it was eventually able to expand the business to begin making dynamos and electric cranes. Electric cranes? Sorry, rains or cranes? Cranes. Cranes. <laughs> I've not seen a picture. I. I think that within workshops, I think they're little cranes that might yeah, pick for up like an engine up pallets block, yeah. and such. Yeah, yeah. He found time to marry a woman. <laughs> Again, you always you always phrase it as marry a woman, like. Okay, do you want me to give Do you want me to give you her name instead? No, no, no. It's not. It's not the sexist angle. It's just like, like. No, I, ha- I have her un- name up until the year two thousand and twelve. Mm. Like, like you can just say married. Because no one was allowed to marry someone who wasn't of the opposite gender. <laughs> well, so that I can't be, I will give you her name, so yeah. that it's it's clear I'm not making some kind of joke at her expense. Okay. Go for it. Sorry. She was called Minnie Punt. <laughs> oh my god, no, she wasn't. Yes, she was. She was called Minnie Punt. <laughs> you and... are lying to me, sir, and I claim my five pounds. <laughs> well, she was she was called Minnie Punt, but obviously after she got mauled, she was Minnie Royce. Um, and she moved with her husband to Chalton Cum Hardy. <laughs> oh, it's it's like it's one of those. It's not funny, but after I've been laughing at Minnie Punt, it is. <laughs> Minnie Punt, who lived in Chalton Cum Hardy. No wonder the Americans think we're parochial and hilarious. Yeah. Well, I I am of the opinion that part of the sort of draw of marrying Henry was. That she could call herself Minnie Royce. <laughs> what, what is Minnie short for? Uh, Millicent? Possibly. Well, as far as I'm aware, it was her full name. <laughs> they just called her Minnie. Fair enough. <laughs> yeah. And this was before Minnie Mouse, so they didn't even have that excuse. But, I mean, so, that's, not, that's not an excuse. That's, that's terrible. To be reason. honest, for a Victorian man, yeah. he's built up a business, he's mm-hmm. married a wife... Yep. Which means he's probably going to start having children, as was the Victorian way. He probably wears a stovepipe hat. Yeah, he's so he's he's living the the proper Victorian life. Yeah. Uh, so let's go back to Charles. Mm-hmm. He by this time he completed his studies at proprietary school and was enjoying his time at Eton. <laughs> you've done that deliberately. I know you've done that deliberately. Why? <laughs> proprietary school. You've done that deliberately. Come on. Fine. <laughs> well, anyway, he was enjoying his time at Eton. Uh, here, he had developed an interest in engines. Spending so much time covered in oil, he was given the nickname Dirty Rolls. <laughs> oh, my God. The upper class, that they're exactly as incompetent at everything as they are at governance. <laughs> come on, Dirty well, Rolls. You can't even come up with something better than that. My, my brother told me that he was on the train not not too long ago. And there were some posh kids. So I'm assuming they were going to Merchant Tailors. Um, <laughs> but he said that they, he was listening into their conversation and they were um, sort of 
having a game of one-upmanship. These oh, were about God. 13, 14, and it was about things like how big the houses were. Oh, no. I, and he yeah. said, but the, the bit at which he really couldn't stand it anymore was when they started mocking one of the group and bullying one of the group because he didn't listen to a certain classical composer. <laughs> He's like, and I just realised I could never understand that world. I mean... I think it was Chopin. He's like... He's like, I couldn't, I couldn't, if, even if I was listening to Chopin, I wouldn't know. Right, I, I'm going to, like, I went to that school, I'm going to mm. tell you right now, those are the nerds, okay? Because <laughs> the, the, the actual popular kids wouldn't know what classical music was if you beat them to death with a piano. Like, trust me, it, it's rugby all the way, and then maybe football. No, sorry, rugby all the way, and then cricket, and then maybe football. <laughs> Well, either way, dirty rolls. So yeah. that's 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 where we're at. I'm that's just the surprised level of that mockery. you didn't allow, allow them to mess with engines. But I would have thought that that would be like did, very definitely. I, I don't know if Eaton. Pupils. I don't know if Eaton did. I, I you know. he's just too posh. For, like, he turned up with three men in a, in a, work, a portable workshop. So, like, well, he I'm going baron. to do this now. <laughs> okay. Uh, so this was the same year that Henry Royce was building his first electric cranes. Um. And Charles Wills accepted, he was accepted to Trinity College at Cambridge, hmm, studying mechanical and applied science. Yeah, I mean, Trinity College has always been the go-to place for the upper class, hasn't Isn't it? Isn't it relatively young, Trinity College? Yeah, it was, uh, as I understand it, and this is not a thorough or complete history historical understanding, it was basically started so that Toffs had somewhere to go. Because like all the other colleges were weren't, weren't exactly like equal opportunity, but they would take anyone who showed academic aptitude. So Trinity College was like, <clears throat> okay, well, let's get all the money people together and do money things. In terms of mechanical and applied sciences, we can at least say Charles did have an aptitude, and his interest in engines led him to Paris in 1896, where he hmm. bought his first car, a Daimler, a, I assume, a Peugeot Phaeton. Oh, really? Yeah. They had cool names back then. Yeah, it was completely exposed to the elements, had no doors, and super thin wheels, like bicycle <laughs> wheels. But yeah, well, they, Dunlop hadn't even invented the tyre at that point, had they? Yeah, in terms of optional extras, it did have a wicker basket on the front for storage. So that's good. <laughs> Take inspiration from what you see. Yeah. There's a he, Frenchman with a bike on the wall going, I know, <laughs> I know what I would put in my car. Well, he was such an early adopter of this new technology that he had to join the even roads. No, he had to join the Automobile Club of France as the British version hadn't been set up. His car was also the first one ever registered in Cambridge. He had the first car in Cambridge. Not the first car in London, not the first car in the UK. I think it was within the top five. It was in the first five cars anywhere. Oh well, fair. But it was definitely the first one in Cambridge. (laughs) <laughs> That's all we can verify. <laughs> you can't prove anything about London. <laughs> Bad so, stuff happens today. So he, he he managed to graduate Cambridge. I mean, a shocker that a baron would manage to graduate. Uh, <laughs> if, if, if Prince Charles can manage it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even convinced he can read. <laughs> but he couldn't seem to settle at a job. He was waiting for inspiration to strike, but as he was born into privilege... It didn't really matter. Yeah, he wasn't in a hurry. <laughs> it, it can strike whenever. And as the 20th century began, he continued to just indulge in all types of transport, having a keen interest in cycling and ballooning, as well as his love of automobiles. God, I mean, 
So basically, he was Mr. Toad of Toad Hall. <laughs> poot poot indeed. That's amazing. Well, I mean, if you had to pick any life, like Mr. Toad of Toad Hall, but real, it's like, that, that's got to be up there as choices. What do you do? Well, I mainly live in a big house and do whatever I want and eat whatever I want and go wherever I want. And all my friends do whatever I say whenever <laughs> I tell them to do it. Even though they moan about me, they still say yes every single time. Like... Because I'm rich. You're <laughs> yeah. going to have to turn yourself up a little bit because we're losing you. Because it ain't Badger Hall. It ain't Ratty Hall or even Mole Hall. <laughs> they all live in the riverbank. <laughs> so that's where Charles is at, turn of the century. So we're going to go back to Henry and see where he's at, if that's okay. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He was facing a crisis. His business was failing due to competition from German and American companies who could make the same products only cheaper so he bought a small car oh no this is a uh, royce yes. his business is failing but he bought did he buy this i'm assuming he didn't buy the small car to distract himself from the failing business because that would have been horrendously irresponsible so his business was failing and he decided he was just going to tinker with a small car he bought it doesn't look like he bought the small car just as like this will distract me from my problems but now that he was having problems he couldn't solve it was something he could do. It was a, a two-cylinder made by a tiny French company called Decoville. De Cive? They don't exist anymore, I'm sure. Oh. Uh, Henry was annoyed that it was both excessively loud and not very comfortable. <laughs> so he made a number of improvements before deciding that he was better off building a better version from the ground up. I mean, is there anything an Englishman delights more in, in out-competing the French at their own game? <laughs> Well, by 1904, he'd finished three prototype models. He gave one away. (laughs) I feel like the Victorian definition of failing business is very different to the modern definition of failing business. My business is failing. All I've got is enough funds to live comfortably, continue to run the business, and build three prototype cars. (laughs) I'm an an abject failure, yes. (laughs) So he he obviously kept one because he needed a car. Uh, he, he gave one away to impress people every time he drove it like half the population around was like devil I'm not sure if this was still the period of time where you needed a man with a flag to walk in front of you <laughs> waving it it might well have been so he he, uh, he gave one away and he sold another so he did actually manage to sell one of them to a man called Henry Edmonds and Edmonds cool. loved the car famous antecedent of Noel mm. oh yeah they're, they're related <laughs> Uh, he especially loved that it was British made. You can't possibly know that. This Edmonds, he loved that it was British made. And he yeah. was determined to show it to a friend of his who had recently opened one of the first car dealerships in the UK, importing Peugeots from France and Minerva cars from Belgium. <laughs> God, what, a, what, a, what a weird alternate timeline it would be where Belgium became a powerhouse of car manufacturing with well, Minerva. Can you guess who the friend was? Um, I, I want to say Charles Rolls, good old dirty Rolls, but um, no, go with your first thought. Go with right. it. I, it's, I was hoping this wasn't some sort of horrible gotcha moment. It was actually his sister, the smart one. <laughs> no, no, it was Charles Rolls. Although his sister is definitely the smart one. Uh, he he had opened the dealership after receiving a small gift. <laughs> was this a Donald Trump style small loan of a million dollars? Well, it was a small <laughs> gift of six thousand pounds. From Jesus, his father. Jesus, £6,000 in the 1890s? He's not Donald Trump because it's the equivalent today of only three quarters of a million. 
So what what could you even do with three quarters of a million pounds? Ridiculous. Well, you can just about set up a car dealership, but only just. <laughs> just about. <laughs> you know, they had to get the bog standard espresso machine. Cars made of solid platinum. <laughs> yeah, it turns out his enthusiasm for all things with an engine, it made him quite a good salesman because he was yeah. genuinely enthusiastic and he could answer your questions. So I suppose, that, yeah, it makes him better than most modern salesmen. So, the guy who sold me my car, I was like, how long do I have to charge it for? And he's like, uh, don't know. And then when I went back for my first service visit, he was like, what kind of mileage are you getting? And I was like, oh, about three kilowatt hours per per um, to, to the mile. And sometimes I can get it to four if I'm really careful. And he was like, oh, what does that mean? I was like, you sold me an electric car. What, what did you expect me to say? You're seven to the gallon. <laughs> Idiot. <laughs> Each gallon of electricity is doing, <laughs> doing great guns. Uh, so, sorry. <laughs> yeah, Rolls was a good salesman. Carry yeah. On. So the car, Edmonds brought the car to Rolls. He had a look over it, and he could see the potential for making money. It was quieter than the cars he was selling. It was more comfortable than the cars that he was selling. Uh-huh. You know, it was just in every way slightly better. Slightly better than everything just, there. <laughs> it was just to a to a higher quality and standard. And he agreed to meet with Henry Royce in uh-huh. Manchester. On May the 4th, 1904, Star Wars Day. Although, regrettably, <laughs> neither man would live to understand why it had that name. <laughs> They've been doing it for centuries. <laughs> the prophecies say. <laughs> and, uh, no one knows. They just had to take it on faith that that was what it was called. Uh, Charles said he would provide the financing for as many cars as Henry could make, selling them under the name Rolls-Royce. Which, when you consider the person who invented, uh, you know, developed the car, yeah, surely it should be Royce Rolls. Yeah, but like, but Rolls on. is a salesman. It's like it just sounds better. Yeah, but uh, yeah, but he's right because <laughs> if you put Rolls second, given the you know the fact that public schoolboys run this country and public schoolboys have public schoolboy sense of humour, <clears throat> Royce Rolls, Royce Rolls, what? Fnaf, 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 fnaf. Royce Rolls downhill, fnaf, fnaf, fnaf. Fair enough. <laughs> I can I can see the problem. <laughs> you put it out there quite quite well. So the original design was unveiled as the Rolls Royce, and mm. it had a stonking ten horsepower. And it was released at that year's Paris Salon. I mean, that's that's probably even even the most wealthy nobleman. That's like six more horsepower than they had on their carriages. So. Well, it didn't take them long to add a fifteen, a twenty, and even a thirty horsepower model. When they announced that, was was it the equivalent of like ladies waving fans and fainting and stuff? Thirty horsepower. The, the cows will die when it rides past. No, what was the old thing? A man wouldn't be able to live at such speeds. As soon as they went over, I think it was about twenty miles per hour. It's like man cannot travel that quickly. It, they will. They will surely just explode. His organs will be expelled violently from his anus. Yeah. Well. Rolls wasn't worried about any of those concerns as he promoted the cars by taking them to trials and races. It was definitely not an excuse for him to have fun. <laughs> you know, it's not like he just suddenly stumbled upon his own works team that he could use. <laughs> yeah, it's like back in the day when, uh, when like, back in the 80s, when the business that I now part own was like, a different scale of business and one of them one of the main sales events that they used to go on was we're going to get everyone get in a helicopter and go to Silverstone for for three days <laughs> why? to sell colour cards really? <laughs> that's, how, that's how it works that's business <laughs> it was in the 80s <laughs> well don't don't worry because I know the Toffs having fun but 
Royce, he's having fun as well. Trapped in his he got to set to work, yeah, designing an all-new six-cylinder car from the ground up. Oh, really? So this is the first six-cylinder car? I don't know if it's the first one, but it's the first one they designed. Yeah. I so mean, he, you know, and given that it's British, obviously it was better than any other six-cylinder car that ever existed. Well, he, he, when he was designing things, he didn't go down the, let's be organised and let's just <laughs> um, come up with a time frame and do it in a sensible way. He was more the tortured genius mould. So he would... <laughs> Spend seven days in a workshop, yeah. come up with an engine, then blow it up. <laughs> yeah, he would obsess. He would barely eat or sleep for weeks at a time. And he literally was destroying his health to try so and get this thing perfect. He's the Edgar Allan Poe of engineering. <laughs> Pretty much. And if you think that a partnership between a reclusive workaholic and a privileged thrill seeker would be a train wreck waiting to happen... <laughs> yes. Yeah. You'd be right. Fortunately, though, for Rolls and Royce, they had a third man. Go on. Claude Johnson. <laughs> Although he was known by all as CJ. But he liked to tell people that he was the hyphen of Rolls-Royce. <laughs> he, he was the thing that held them together. Claude organised the setting up of a brand new factory in Derby. The factory being obsessively designed by Royce, naturally, because he had time to design the factory to build the car as well as designing the car. Because when you don't sleep or eat or do the normal human functions, you find you have a lot more free time to do these things. What do you sustain by self-loathing and oil? Obviously, it needed someone like Claude to actually make it happen. Yeah. And he also, Claude happened to know the 1906 version of Rupert Murdoch, a newspaper owner called Alfred Harmsworth. Harmsworth, really? Yes, Harmsworth. He should trade names with Rupert Murdoch. <laughs> Rupert Harmsworth would make more sense. Yes. But this ensured a lot of favourable publicity for the new car. Production on his six-cylinder model, named yeah. the Silver Ghost, commenced oh, in 1908. Beautiful. It was the smoothest and quietest six-cylinder car on the market, advertised as the best car that money could buy. A claim that most car enthusiasts, though, agreed was completely true. Yeah, like that's great, but isn't it depressing to know that even if it was that good, like Rolls Royce is actually born out of publicity bullshit? <laughs> well, no, because they lived up to the hype. It seems no, like they was like we're we're paying for this press, but then when all the people who would, you know, be the actual trend go, makers yeah, yeah. had a go, they went, "Oh, it is. <laughs> oh, this is lovely." Yeah, I can feel my legs after I've rode this after I've driven this car. So they've got to the point where they've just built a brand new factory in Derby. Mm. They've got the most sought after car rolling through off the. It's production. called the Silver Ghost, it's which called is the epically Silver cool. Ghost. It's basically named after a pulp hero it's that didn't beautiful. exist. Beautiful. Yeah, everything's going well. Yeah. But Rolls's focus was shifting again. No, yeah, well, he, he, he's done it now, hasn't he? Like that's the problem with a. Uh, Rich dilettante who's in it for the thrills. Well, like. <laughs> you see, 19, the early 1900s, yeah? Yeah. Uh, he'd become increasingly obsessed with developments in aviation. I was just about to say, I bet it's planes. Mm. I bet it's flipping planes. Before that, he'd won uh, awards for the longest balloon flight. <laughs> but having seen the flying machines of the Wright brothers, he wanted his own engine-powered vehicle in the sky. I mean, okay, but the Wright brothers were still a good... Like at least four years away from getting a decent. No, wait, hang on. This is 1908. Brothers... When did they do their first flight? I can't remember. No, it wasn't that 1906. The, the Wright brothers have flown at this point. Oh, right, okay. In no, the story. Yeah, okay, fair enough. Fair enough, fair enough. But I he, thought they were 1913, but he, that must be wrong. 
he didn't really want to go to the Wright brothers. He he had a guy who could design things, and really quickly because he didn't sleep. So he began trying to pressure an already very overworked Royce to design him an aero engine just because he wanted one. <laughs> Improve the car. Make a factory. No, it wasn't improve the car. It's, right, we're done with those cars. Make new ones. <laughs> also make the factory that's no, going to no, make the new ones. No, no, I didn't, I didn't mean improve the car. I didn't improve the Silver Ghost. I meant improve the car. Oh, sorry. Yeah, <laughs> the, car, the vehicle. <laughs> just just do it again, only better. <laughs> how, how? What? It's just more? Yeah. More? Well, I don't know. More. <laughs> and as he's in the middle of those two projects, also, I want an engine for a plane. Yeah, build a flying machine. Does anyone know how they work? No. <laughs> guys who seem to have kind of a handle on it but even well, then it's quite sketchy it flew across a field once <laughs> well the result was that claude was left overseeing the new factory on his own henry royce had worked himself almost to death and claude sent him to recuperate in the south of france but if you're thinking that he was allowed to just take a vacation he had a team of draftsmen with him so he could continue designing yeah, and, and also they ordered him to win the Tour de France. Yeah. <laughs> but the amazing thing was, he was destined to never visit the factory in Derby that he designed. He never set foot in the place. Jesus, really? No. That, that seems, that's, like, that's a little sad, really. But, obviously, he wasn't, at that point, in a position to build an aero engine. Yeah. Uh, so, without a Rolls-Royce designed aero engine, Charles Rolls moved on to plan B. <laughs> and he managed to convince the Wright brothers to give him a go in one of their planes. Uh, I feel like this might end badly. <laughs> uh, whatever gives you that impression. So uh, Wilbur <laughs> took him up yeah. uh, for a flight while he was in Le Mans. And Rolls decided after that that he was going to buy himself a Wright flyer. So he Sorry. bought uh, a Wright brothers plane in 1909. And at exactly the same time, he decided that he'd step back from Rolls-Royce's company uh, and became a non-executive director instead. So when I say step back, he still wanted to... Get the money. Oh, he wanted the profits, but he didn't want to have to do as much. <laughs> Although what he'd been, been doing for the past three years, not sure. Yeah, it doesn't sound like a lot. Mm. Going to lots of parties and talking up his bitchy <clears> car. So the following year, in 1910, after receiving the second aeroplane license in the UK, and before you ask, I do not know who got the first. He he's always the... just behind, isn't he? Yeah, he's, he's almost there. He's the almost man. Although he did, this is the thing, in 1910 he did set two records. Fastest death in a plane. He was the first man to fly both ways across the channel non-stop and managed it in only 95 minutes on June 5th. Well, it, planes went really far, really quickly because yeah. you, you, you went from sort of gliding across a field all to, the way to across the channel twice in one go. Yeah, uh, he achieved his second record a month later on July twelfth when he became the very first person to be killed in an accident with a powered <laughs> aircraft in England after the tail broke off his right flyer during a display in Bournemouth and went from being an aeroplane to a brick that he was strapped into. <laughs> a death missile. Yeah, well, he hit the ground very hard. hard. <laughs> Poor bugger. And that, that unfortunately, was the end of Charles Rolls. His, his sister, though, mm -hmm. continued. She set up a female engineering society. She set her own records. She was basically the female version of him, and she had the good fortune to not accidentally die in an accident 
I mm. will have to cover her because she is also amazing. So yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll be up for hearing her story. I know literally nothing of it. So, that so we're cool. we're down one half of Rolls Royce, unfortunately. Yeah. We've just got we've just we've we've lost the charismatic salesman. We've just got the neurotic engineer. <laughs> we also have reliable old CJ though. Oh yeah, the hyphen. And he took the hyphen took the reins of the company. And the first thing he did hmm. was to decide that Rolls Royce cars. He he's got to give them something to make them stand out from the crowd. Yeah, yeah. And he decided... Being being the best wasn't enough. <laughs> <laughs> no, what they need, blinging hood ornament, that's what they need. Oh my God, his contribution is the winged victory. <laughs> <laughs> well, the fashion of the time was for the rich people who bought mm. these cars to commission their own little statuettes, which they, oh God, they affixed to the fantastic. hood of the car. <laughs> I had no idea, but that is amazing. Yeah, so you'd, you'd go out and you'd find somebody... To a do trophy it. manufacturer. Yeah, a trophy, yeah, to do you whatever you wanted. So CJ how, want, wanted something classy. How many do you classy. reckon had golf clubs? How many do you reckon had them swinging a golf club? <laughs> well. All of them. <laughs> I've got this. It's so unique. It's either this or it's you throwing a dart. You can no. also have that. We have lots of those. Shooting a gun. No, there would be three for the upper class, wouldn't there? There would be golf clubs, shotgun, or... Um, a horse. You'd be on a horse. Yeah. Yeah, polo. <laughs> yeah. So CJ wanted something classy. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's, it can't just be any old hood ornament. So he turned to a man called Charles Sykes. He designed a figurehead for Baron John Montague's Rolls Royce in 1909, which he called the Whisperer. He had used the Baron's secret lover as a model and posed her with a finger at her lips as a very clear nod to the affair that they were having. Subtle. <laughs> yeah, like I said, classy. That's what he was looking for. Oh, God. <laughs> he used the same model, Eleanor Valesco Thornton. Valesco? Sorry, Velasco. No, 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 I, just, I, just, no, I wasn't having to go with the pronunciation. It's just a surprising name for an upper-class woman yeah. in England. Uh, well, she was the basis for the new statue as well, which mm-hmm. was named the Spirit of Ecstasy. The spirit of ecstasy. The hood ornament was silver-plated and made its first appearance in 1911. Mm. Although by 1914, they'd switched to nickel plating to deter thieves. (laughs) 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 Well, if you will drive a silver-plated statue around Manchester, (laughs) you get get what you deserve, you know what I mean? So, yeah, basically... They decided what they would put is a prominent silver statuette on the front of the cars and people walking <laughs> past and going, mm. a, ve- a vehicle that at the time would mainly have been used to transport his lordship and her ladyship or his lordship and whoever, mm. you know, he was shagging yeah, well, <laughs> from, from the country into town and then they would be left. <laughs> and I mean, he may not have been um, Rolls. He may not have had that charisma, but CJ knew what people liked and the customers loved the addition. Mm. Royce didn't. He thought it obscured the driver's view and would personally not drive any car with one affixed. So his Rolls Royces that he drove were always (laughs) without the spirit of ecstasy because he thought it was stupid. (laughs) I like like Royce. (laughs) He reminds me of my granddad. (laughs) The affair that inspired the hood ornament ended sadly when Eleanor was killed in 1915 when the boat she was on was torpedoed by a German U-boat. Goddamn German. It was also initially thought that the Baron was killed in the attack, but he was found a few days later alive adrift in a life raft and was <laughs> oh probably <my> <laughs> transported back home where he had to explain to his wife 
Why he been on that boat? The implication being that the two of them were together. <laughs> He'd eaten her. And he got to the life raft and he was like, well, can't be caught with you, love. So, uh... <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. Well, maybe he kept her and then after a couple of days, like, I'm, I'm hungry and technically, as a, as a baron, I have the authority and the seniority in this partnership. So <laughs> the, uh, the little known 17th clause of the Magna Carta. <laughs> A few days later, adrift, but strangely full (laughs) in a life raft. Weeping. (laughs) With the success of the Silver Ghost, though, um, it assured that Royce had the time Mm. to finally get around to the aero engine that Rolls had asked for. Oh, God, is this the genesis of the Merlins? Mm, Well, I mean... I don't know if he was designing the aero engine at this point because no one had told him or the information hadn't gone in that Rolls had died and it was just on his to-do list. He's <laughs> like, well, make the what? most successful car, the most luxurious car. Right. Oh, it says I need to make an aeroplane engine here. Okay. <laughs> Rolls wants it. I've not heard from Rolls in a while, actually. He's been dead for seven years. <laughs> so, yeah. CJ's just, like, quietly shredding all of these memos. <laughs> He's, he's neurotic. He'll, he'll be better off. I'll tell him eventually. Just one more project. Just one more. Just turn up a little bit on your mic, and then we're perfect. Sorry, so you, sorry. You lent back and. <laughs> that better. That yeah, better. that's fine. Sorry, sorry. Oh, we've got. It's fine. People understand there's kinks. <laughs> so there's also faults in the equipment. But being we'll talk about the kinks later. Being um, yeah, being Royce. He he didn't design one aero engine. He designed three, uh, named the Eagle, the Hawk, and the Falcon. Were they for different purposes, or were they all just like just different? Like, I, I don't was, know which. I don't know which one I like. Yeah, he was building variations. Uh, all Cock and Brown used two Eagle engines to power the first non-stop transatlantic flight in 1919. Rolls Royce, mm. or just Royce, really. <laughs> This new venture proved the final straw for long-suffering Minnie. She'd had enough of slowly watching her husband kill himself through overwork and divorced him after 19 years. Going back to being Minnie Punt. Sadly... Had they had children? No. And I'm not confident that Royce would even have noticed. (laughs) Such was his dedication to the perfecting of his new designs. Yeah. Because the war years had been good for Rolls-Royce. Mm, I'll bet they had. Of course they had, because when you're well, looking... officers need staff cars, damn it. <laughs> no, no, no. When you're looking to provide armoured vehicles, you want them uh, to have the smoothest yeah. ride. I forgot. And the Silver Ghost <laughs> provided the base for all the armoured vehicles used by the British Army. For the M1 tank? Well, the armoured vehicles, not the tanks. Oh, right. So, yeah, the Silver Ghost was also the Army's preferred <laughs> transportation. Uh, but following the war, I like the, I, my my version of that discussion is a bunch of generals sat around going, "Well, if we're going to have our boys ride around in it, what ranks are we talking about? Well, we have to have at least a captain. Oh God, <laughs> call Rolls Royce." Yeah. <laughs> Up until that point, they were like, oh, "Maybe Peugeot." Does, that no, does, does anyone know? Does anyone know about cars? Well, I have a car. Uh, it's, it's smashing my couldn't driver just, tells me it's fantastic couldn't we just use that maybe stick some steel on the sides of it It'll I've got to say your, your posh accent was amazing then. your, your, your <laughs> that was, the, the elongation of the ah was perfect, perfect. Uh, I, I don't do very good accents as you know but occasionally you pull it out of the bag yeah, occasionally it works just through fluke <laughs> yeah so obviously as with any company that makes money and profits off a war, 
as mm. soon as the war ends, you're you're bound to hit a slump. Mm-hmm. Uh, Royce, he's the he's the only guy who can pull them out of this slump. So immediately after designing the three aero engines, when he was asked for one, mm. he decided he'd design a completely new model, the Phantom, uh, which was released in 1925. Massive acclaim, or yeah, massive, massive acclaim. Unfortunately, How does this guy keep doing it? Yeah, like, well, I mean, you know, like okay, he's completely neglected all personal relationships, and apparently, I mean, you know, until somebody proves otherwise, I'm going to assume didn't notice his business partner had died. <laughs> well, it got worse because the following year, 1926, CJ died as well from <laughs> Did pneumonia. <Royce> notice. <laughs> well, against all odds, it was. <laughs> The workaholic, who was sickly anyway, who was the last surviving member of the original trio. Uh, The fire in your eyes drives you on, mate. The fire in your eyes. Apparently it's the only thing driving him on. He hasn't (laughs) eaten since 1900. (laughs) He's not changed his shoes since 1863. (laughs) Royce was, I'm guessing, told about the death of CJ, and they probably took the moment to sort of mention that Rolls was dead as well. Grunted and picked up a wrench. (laughs) And started his design on the new R engine. (laughs) initially sketching designs in the sand on the beach near his home in France to explain the principles to his team of engineers. Uh, Less than a year later, in 1929, the engine that he designed on a beach with a stick (laughs) set a new airspeed record of 357 miles per hour. Do you know what? It's like... When Britain was throwing out insane geniuses like that, you, you, you got to no wonder the rest of the world thought we were crazy and was also terrified of us at the same time. Oh, you, you think that's an achievement? Three hundred and fifty-seven miles per hour. Yeah, Royce was livid. He was. <laughs> See, this is what I'm talking about. The French, if the French had done that, it would have been a Legion d'Honneur, throw seventeen thousand chorus girls and give them a castle. <laughs> well, he... in Britain, we put down a cup of tea. Went, Quite. <laughs> he was told that that's how fast it had gone. And he said, it's too slow. And he spent, For two, what? he spent two years tweaking it until he was able to get the speed up to 407 miles per hour. Lunatic. And by this point, he'd been working so hard, he'd again worked himself close to death. Right, like, I swear to God, like, I've got, I, I just, I've, I know this is insane, and I'm not normally like this, but I strongly believe that Royce was reincarnated as my grandfather. <laughs> well, yeah, so he's he's worked himself half to death uh, again yeah. for the second time, and his engineers, yeah, the surviving right. engineers yeah. that I'll he had... I'll tell you the story of my granddad one day, but that happened to him. <laughs> okay, well... <laughs> Twice. <laughs> let's, see if, let's see if this happened. So his, his staff, because they're just his staff now, he's sort of... <laughs> Through process of elimination, he is the head of the company. Yeah, what uh, happened to the shares, I wonder? Well... Need some heroic lawyer story to tell us about that. <laughs> they decided he needed cheering up, so yeah. they bought him a present. <laughs> a car with a statue, but he frothed into a rage and died. <laughs> it was the Bentley car <laughs> company. <laughs> yeah, they bought him the Bentley car company. Uh, oh, really? Yeah. And they brought a new prototype model for him to have a look at. Hmm. He loved it, but having had a look at how it was set up, he suggested that a car like that needed some form of adjustable suspension (laughs) because it was too fast. Um, So adjustable suspension, do you mean like the driver could adjust the suspension? Yeah, it needed to be able to be adjustable depending on on what you were doing with it. On taste, right. Yeah, because he was saying, while while this Bentley is lovely, 
for cruising around the country lanes when you really give it the beans it's a bit soft <laughs> need to be able to stiffen that up but then mm. you wouldn't want it at race you know racetrack stiffness right so when so you're voice... taking your debutante oh, back so to yeah. the castle <laughs> you need something a bit with a bit more give in it <laughs> yeah a bit um but that was that was just a, a throwaway remark you know we don't need to worry about that uh-huh. uh, despite his world beating aircraft engines though yeah. the government would not offer a contract to supply to the RAF is it because they didn't have a baron on staff anymore because that sounds like something the British government would well, do in the 20s Royce was the kind of guy who didn't hear no though he didn't <laughs> what he heard in his own head was not make it faster yeah not this engine <laughs> so he threw himself the last remaining shreds of muscle and sinew that he had into developing a new 12-cylinder engine. Yeah. And he finished the design in 1933 for what would later be called the Rolls-Royce Merlin. Oh, the power see. behind the Spitfire. And the Hurricane. Yep. Royce's overworked and undernourished body finally gave up on the 22nd of April 1933 after 70 hectic years. An absolute madman. Yeah. But... The night before he died, he finally got round to sketching a design for that adjustable shock absorber he'd suggested two years yeah. earlier. And he made his nurse promise to get it to his boys at the factory. Yeah. The yeah. note got there yeah. after he died, uh-huh. but it was added to the Bentley cars from that point on, and it was the first adjustable shock absorber. <laughs> so even on his deathbed, he managed to design... Reinventing the automobile yeah. industry. <laughs> because that's what he does. Jesus Christ. The rights to build Rolls-Royce cars were sold to BMW in 1998. Oh, God. And currently, less than 5,000 cars per year are sold to the hyper-rich people of the world. Yeah, well, I mean, the only thing I know about modern Rolls-Royce is that they um, they employ, like, the last great pub sign painter. <laughs> like, oh, to like, do the carriage lines? Yeah, yeah, yeah. because like, it's all hand-painted, all yeah. custom. So, the rights to build Rolls-Royce cars have been sold mm-hmm. and we can assume Rolls were probably approved of the idea that now these cars were only being sold to the hyper rich yeah Royce and, would be really pissed off though. well Royce who lived by the motto whatever is rightly done however humble is noble might have had a few misgivings yeah yeah, he can't have had that many misgivings because let's be honest, he did live most of his life selling cars to the rich. It's not like the it's not like cars were were for the people. Not by yeah, that point. Like, no, the, they started being yeah, but, for the people when a, a lovely man named it, was it was it Arthur Arthur Himmler. <laughs> uh, he you know over in Germany he decided that you needed a a car for the people a a, a, a sort Volkswagen of wagon for the yeah. Volk, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Uh, so that's that's when the real revolution of that, and then the French came up with the De Chevaux, which is the best car ever. Everybody always overlooks the Austin Seven. Yeah, there's a reason. <laughs> <laughs> but hey, that made motoring purely acceptable for the upper middle class. <laughs> to, to be fair to BMW, I think yeah. there's one there's one addition that Royce would wholeheartedly have approved of. Yeah. Because now all new models yeah. have a button that you can press to retract the spirit of ecstasy into the bonnet so that the driver's view of the road will not be impaired, as it should be. Because this is about driving experience. It's not about flashiness. 
I, I honestly, I'm just bowled over by Royce. Like, what, what an absolute legend! Like, driven by nothing other than, like, damn it, I will build a better engine. I can do better. It could be better, more, 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 more. Like, sometimes, although obviously his self obsession ruined every single aspect of his life that wasn't building engines. Definitely. <laughs> like. Sometimes you have to sit back and admire the single-minded nature of people like that because they, they get stuff done. Like, I mean, they're still using variants of the Merlin engine now. <laughs> it's, it's, not, it's still, like, you know, the basic principles are the same. I think they want to, like, Merlin 3 or Merlin 4 or something, but it's, it's, it's essentially the same ideas. Like, well, all, all we can say is that indirectly... Well, actually, quite directly, considering how important the Battle of Britain was, that basically Hitler said, "We are going to invade as soon as we have control of the skies." Yeah, I mean, yeah. to be honest, thank God Hitler is a neurotic weirdo on that one because they could easily have invaded and just like, like, yes, we would have had the air force bombing them, but they still would have won. <laughs> oh, so easily! But you <laughs> Operation know, Operation Sea Lion, idiot. Who <laughs> calls it Operation Sea Lion? I mean, I know we live on Drizzle Rock, but that's just insulting. Yes, you don't want to insult the English. God. <laughs> but yes, that is the story of the formation of the Rolls-Royce Car Company. Mm. And a lunatic and a dilettante. <laughs> has all the best stories. <laughs> and CJ is quite a character. quite a character in and of himself. Just I, I like I like to imagine that he's the everyman in this where there's just these two opposing forces. And he somehow got to try and negotiate Weld the space them between them. He's the world's first HR consultant. Yeah, he's he's just like, please, please, just will you stop? On the one hand, you got you got Lord Lord Rolls over here. Like, oh, why don't you send me to Milan with a case full of money, and I'll see what I can achieve. And Royce, on the other hand, going, give me metal. I need more metal and fire. Although, to be honest, I think most of it was trying to keep rolls away from Royce and just being like, do you know what I'd really like? I've, I've seen these things that hydroplanes. Have you seen these? No. no. I'm just going to go. Is, is he in his office? He's not. He's not. Spoke to this wonderful chap the other day. T- Tesla? Tesla. Nikola Tesla. Says something about transferring energy through the sky. No, no, keep him away. That's why on, the other, on the other hand, if, if that had actually happened, we might be living in future paradise world by now. <laughs> given, given that Royce was like, I'm going to make it happen. What will it cost me? Everything. Yeah, well, I'm going to go out on a limb and say that Rolls didn't know that he'd moved Royce to the south of France for, for <laughs> Royce's own good. Rolls would be like, where, where is he? I can't, you know, I can't tell you. Last time you were here, he had a breakdown because you asked him to make 20 things. And you but wanted them by the Tuesday, cars, didn't you? Dear boy, we got the cars. <laughs> <laughs> just doesn't understand how difficult it is. Like, I'm sure he can. He, de- he designed that car in a day, didn't he? It's like no, no. He came to that meeting <coughs> with you, and then didn't sleep for four weeks. Yeah. I thought it was a day. You were on Loudonham. <laughs> <laughs> to you, it was one never-ending day. Oh God, yeah, but that was that was my my Victorian inventor story. Yeah, it's good for the for the week. Yeah, I love it. See, all I'm wondering now is which one of us is the dilettante and which one of us is the psycho. <laughs> well, let's see. I write all of the episodes. I research all of the episodes. I edit all of the episodes. I stay up late at night worrying about the episodes. 
you swan in on the, you swan in on the day and react <laughs> barely even reacting <laughs> I wonder which one's which yeah uh, now if you'll we'll excuse me it's we'll it's never know. <laughs> it's, uh, it's it's you know half 10 so I have to get to uh, sketching out the ones for for next week I have to I have to get to doing the proprietary I, I, um I resent the implication that you have to. I do. You choose to. No, it's a compulsion. (laughs) If I don't, I can't sleep.